Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You want to go? Mm. I can try again. <laughs> yes, I go. I'm thinking about if I try again. Okay. Welcome to Three Point Landing. It is our fourth quarantine episode. Um, it's now been 86, 88 days in quarantine, and all I can say is thank God for streaming media, streaming entertainment. It's nothing like what it used to be, and that's not always a good thing. Today we're gonna go back and look at home video. Uh, Matthew, <laughs> help me! <laughs> hey everybody, welcome to Three Point Landing. Man, this quarantine's been a rough one. We've been here for 88 days, 89. I don't know. You know, it could be 107 by the time you listen to this episode. And you know what? Thank God for digital streaming services, games, all that stuff, all that entertainment pouring into our tubes. Because you know, back in the day, it wasn't always like that. Uh, we had to get stuff on the physical. We had to get stuff beamed to us uh, through, through TV channels, tapes, laser discs, and all that stuff. And today, that's the stuff we're going to talk about. Now, it wasn't always so bad. In fact, there are quite a few things that we kind of miss from the olden days. You know what? So- Part of me thinks that we're just shooting ourselves in the foot whenever we say stuff like that, like back in my day, or do you remember when? <laughs> But hey, you yeah. again? no, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not, just, I'm not, I'm not taking offense. I'm saying is we can keep bound. Like I'm happy with what I did. It could be I'm better. Not- But I'm no. like, maybe you should try doing it, and then I'll do it again and again and again and again. No, and again. <laughs> I said that as banter. Oh, was that bad? <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you? Wait, wait. What were you doing today, Matthew? Uh, today, uh, yeah, it's all been a, it's all been a blur for me. Uh, I think after finishing the Final Fantasy VII remake review, I've been kind of in a kind of in a you know in a funk. In a well, not funk. I've kind of been in a fugue state. You know, mm-hmm. a review hangover, if you if you will. And by review, it was that good. Well, yeah, it was that good. And also, writing it was just writing the review was just kind of like I wouldn't call it hard. I never consider writing reviews, quote unquote, hard. But it was definitely like I want, I want. If I really like a game, or even if I really hate a game, I want to like really reach in my, into myself and make the best review I, you know, I feel that does justice to the game or whatever. So definitely, it's like. It's me putting more effort into it than I probably get paid to. <laughs> well, I guess that's fair, but yeah. for my part, you know, at least you still got stuff to review. I mean, I review movies, and I don't think we're going to see the inside of a cinema anytime this year. <laughs> but about streaming, isn't everything going to be you know, you know? It's just not the same, you know. You, you get the same content, sure, but. I don't know. It just hits you different when you're in the cinema. I don't know if it's the social experience of it or just. I mean, don't get me wrong. Look, nobody likes going into a theater where there's people talking. There's there there there's the floor is sticky. You know, you you, you can hear people whispering back and people explaining what's happening on the screen to their less informed others, significant others. But I, I, don't know. I think it's, it's also that communal experience, right? Yes, exactly. Like uh, you, you know, the, the ending of Avengers Endgame. That was like one of the best screenings I've ever been to. The audience just went nuts. It was like it was like watching professional wrestling. The audience <laughs> would no seriously. The audience yeah. would yeah. pop at just the right moments, and <laughs> you know, 
when Captain America picked up that hammer, everyone just lost it. It was ridiculous. <laughs> For me, it was a it was the on your left moment that everybody went. <gasps> yep, that one too. That was good. That was that was awesome. That really, was good. and yeah, 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 yeah. So the whole communal experience, and also I think it's not just the communal experience. It's also, the the um, the sense of immersion that you get, because like. I remember Gravity, that Sandra Bullock movie where she gets lost in space. When I saw that in the theater and it was one of the best things, one of the best movie watching experiences I've ever had. And when you watch it on the small screen, it just does not hit you the same way. It's actually kind of, it's kind of boring. Yeah. And you know what? I also think that uh, the, 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 phys, the, the, the big screen, like being physically present within a large, within an actual cinema experience can elevate a bad movie. Do you know what I mean? Like this is this is like That's this is my true. favorite, That's my favorite true. thing. Like for me, I remember watching, I remember watching the Tommy Lee Jones and Hage film Volcano. Yeah, a movie starring Tommy Lee Jones and Anne Hage together. Can you believe? <laughs> I can believe. I can believe. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Volcano. We're in you know uh, in Los Angeles, like a volcano, no, a bunch of volcanic activity just sprouts up from beneath the earth, and it's like this weird mix up of you know. Uh, disaster film a la Twister or right, right, uh, yeah, yeah. I remember that yeah. movie. And basically, I, that I, movie, the movie that wasn't Dante's Peak. Yeah, and I remember like the, the, the you know watching that movie, how emotional I got in terms of like being taken away. I mean, keep in mind I'm 16, so I'm not very sophisticated about film. Okay, take <laughs> and, your word for it. <laughs> yeah. So and 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 the guy and you know the guy jumps and like he doesn't make it and his body like sinks into the into the lava and he's dying and everything's like oh man everybody's feeling so bad and suffering what is this movie and then i saw it on like cable television you know a couple of years later and i was just like what is this poor shit <laughs> <laughs> this movie's garbage <laughs> no, no no i i i i know exactly what you're saying because like there's it, some... it, was a, it was this was at the louise dhx do you remember louise dhx i do remember that <laughs> my long compound oh yeah. man you remember when thx was a thing yeah that was like one of my favorite sounds ever <laughs> thx jeez that really yeah. takes me back um yeah. there's a funny there, there, my my THX man, my crowning pride and pride moment of pride at a at a pub at a pub quiz night was me and my a bunch of my friends simultaneously humming the THX sound <laughs> to answer a question. That sounds exactly like something you would do. Yeah, and following it up with the audience is listening. <laughs> I like the Simpsons version better, the one where it knocked everyone to the back of the theater, and then the tagline was the audience is now deaf. <laughs> I like the Monkey Island version. Uh, in Monkey Island 3, they replaced it with a bunch of monkeys. Right, they did. <laughs> oh, geez. Did you know? Okay, here's the thing. When when DVDs were new, right? When DVDs were new, there used to be a feature on some of the some of the more special edition ones um, that would let you calibrate your home theater to the optimal settings to enjoy THX sound. Oh yeah, no, I remember that. And it'd be like left speaker, right speaker, left speaker, center speaker. Exactly, exactly. So like, yeah, that that's how I calibrated our stereo so I could watch the Matrix. <laughs> oh man. But you know what? The, the, the thing that I really loved about those old DVDs and a large reason of why I still buy physical media to this day, which I know most people find inexplicable. I love 
that tangibility of it, the, that feeling that you have it in your hand and nobody can take it away. Does that make sense? Well, you know, short of theft, but I get what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, let me explain. Let me explain. Or short of short of girl, or, or short of lending your copies to girlfriends who decide to vindictively or spitefully withhold it from you when they break up when you break up with them. I actually know how that feels. You can also throw graphic novels and a couple of other things on that list. Oh, don't you know, like, you know, Sand, Neil Gaiman's Sandman has been passed around among girlfriends and boyfriends more often than venereal diseases. I told you my copy of Sandman Volume 1 is missing along with my copy of Fables. The copy of Fables was signed too, so that really hit. Mm. Ugh. Anyway. So, so, you know, couples have shared, you know, STDs, Neil Gaiman, Sandman. Those are the two things that are of a currency among heterosexual couples. Oh, speaking of, did you see the announcement? They're going to do an audio play of the first storyline from Sandman, it looks like. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw the cast list for that one. Yeah, yeah that looked really good. And I'm, I am surmising that it's the first storyline because John Jones is in it. Mm. Which is usually my argument that the Justice League was in the first volume of Sandman to anybody who says that, you know, Sandman is not comics. <laughs> but um, going back to what I was saying earlier, the reason that I have this love affair with physical media, I mean, as obsolete as it may be, is that um, for years and years growing up, uh, moving from country to country because of my dad's work, we did not always have access to English media. We didn't always have access to a video store, you know? Mm-hmm. So we didn't even have access to, to, to English TV half the time. So whatever mm. you could get automatically became precious. Whatever That's you right. could yeah. get, you it, would it, hold on to it. It's it's you know it's 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 a copy of Airbud and VHS, and it's like it's fucking gold. <laughs> no. Okay, I think even back then I knew to stay the hell away from Airbud, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like you know, it's precious. It's it's precious mana from heaven. You know. <laughs> um. Yeah, it really was because, like, okay. Um. I mean, just for but, the listeners, you know, not Airbud specifically, but like any old movie that is like, you know, that you can consume in your in your native language, <laughs> in a time before the internet. <laughs> No, but seriously, um, my mom had a sister who was in the States and Mm. she was doing her master's degree, I think, at the time. She would actually tape shows off broadcast TV and send them to us. She would just like fill up up a tape. She she would like (laughs) stick the tape in before she headed out for the day and just let it run. Oh, yeah. I got, I got, I got, you know, we got the uh, um, uh, VHS Betamax care package, you know, get get Absolutely. those tapes and get those tapes in the mail or brought over by visiting relatives, and it's like eight hours of American cartoons taped from yeah. hour to hour, and not just the cartoons, but the commercials. The commercials were awesome. <laughs> That's why for all the okay, look, not for anything. Okay, the Nostalgia Critic has mm. this series on '80s commercials. And I just cannot help but watch them, even if he drives me insane. <laughs> because my, 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 a lot of those brother. commercials, I, I actually remember seeing them. To the, yeah, and you, because we would re-watch those tapes over and over and over just again. Burn, burn in they your were, brain. They, they, are, they, they still are burned into my brain. Yeah. Like 80s commercials, like old toy commercials, the, the kind that they don't do anymore, you know? And I, th- and I think what's amusing about that is that these commercials are burning themselves in your brain. And they're coming from a place they're coming from a faraway land and they're, they're you know what i mean like they're not the commercials 
that exists in your own native country. So it's funny because you can like see that many gener- many different kids of the of that generation are separated by the u- commercials that they uniquely saw in their childhood watching those kinds of tapes. Do you know what I mean? I do, I do. And that's why it's kind like, of awesome that I can relate to people who grew up in the 80s or the 90s, as the case may be, from halfway across the planet, exactly what you said. And we have that commonality of experience. But, you know, it would get frustrating sometimes because you'd see these ads for things that there's no way you get your hands on. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> ads for toys or, 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 or services or whatever. Or, right, or, or, right. you know, eating establishments. Goddamn, America is a palace of consumers, ain't it? <laughs> yeah, and they do love their food. <laughs> and they do mm-hmm. like spending money and taking yours. <laughs> but so those tapes, they just became precious so that whenever we would move to a country that actually had English media, it became a case of finding the nearest video store. And I can probably say this now. I think the statute of limitations has passed and duplicating as many of those movies as you could find on as many VHS tapes as we could carry to our next destination. I'm not pulling out of any knowledge of law or whatever here, but I'm going to assume that if it's been 25 years, that's pretty far above the statute of limitations, (laughs) right? I just just realized 1995 was 25 years ago. Let's pretend (laughs) I didn't hear that. (laughs) No, but remember, I told you, like, if you remade... Back to the Future today, and you went back the same number of years that Marty McFly went from 1985, it would have to be set in 1990. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So 1990 to today's kids, today's audiences would look like 1955 to us. Mm-hmm. And that just, that's insane. That's, that's, that's just insane. That's fucking insane, man. It really is. <clears throat> so, so like, my favorite thing about video stores, I mean, if you remember those, to everyone listening out there, um, my favorite thing about video stores, and I think this is something that's really lost um, now with streaming and all of that, because now the movies, they don't come in boxes. They don't come in packages. So there's no box art on the front. There's no blurbs from random critics extolling its values. There's no synopsis on the back that barely explains what you're about to watch. And there's no having to figure out how many movies you can afford to bring home for the weekend that you have to return before you go back to school on Monday. Yeah, and how much, yeah, and, and watch as well, right? Because you, you have to hit that sweet spot, what you can afford and what you can reasonably watch within a given time period, you know, b- between bedtimes and, you know, homework or whatever, you know, stuff. But it wasn't just that. I mean, like for me, in my case, my parents heavily regulated. I mean, this is going to sound crazy, but my parents heavily regulated when we could watch in addition to what we could watch. So I never actually watched TV on weekdays. I only would watch on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I was limited to two hours each on each of those days. Yeah. And, and, you know, I hope hope nobody here listening thinks we're going to go in a back in my day. I mean, the whole point is it is a back in my day thing, but this isn't about like, you know, decreasing like cultural standards or what have the youngs not appreciate the, the media. There. <laughs> Absolutely. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's just literally a different time. Like, like one of the things what listening to you talk about that, that really strikes me is the idea of limiting screen time. Now I can't speak for people our age who are parents, but you know, the idea of telling you, Misha, like, 
oh, you know, you can only watch this time and blah, 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 was feasible because we lived in a world where there was only one to two screens in your household. But now everybody's got, got a screen, you know, smartphone, tablet, you know, desktop, Holy laptop, crap. you know, TV, I, I right? I didn't even think of that. I, I yeah. actually, I didn't even think of that. You know, I just wanted to, I was just trying to justify why I still buy Blu-rays. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you can, you can regulate, you could, in, 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 in 1980 or 1990, you can regulate, you know. Uh, That's right. You, That's right. But yeah, now you can regulate within reason, but. You know, the youngs will always find a way, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Parental filters and locks rarely are all are rarely all encompassing. Seriously, they don't cover enough. Like you yeah. could you could age restrict Netflix, but then what's to stop your kid from going onto YouTube or or something like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, this is a scope for for I think this is a conversation for another time, but yeah, uh definitely, you know, uh different times. <laughs> Three point landing. I want. I want to talk to you about. Uh, you were talking about packaging, about uh, video stores oh, and yeah, boxes. Absolutely. Uh, I want to. I want to flip this over and talk about a, a medium that is sort of like key to my childhood, which is the laserdisc. And I know the laserdisc is kind of laughed at for good reason. But I think what was amusing to me about laserdisc, for all of its qualities, is the fact that. Because it's about the size of an LP or a or a right. or an audio record, they it was had a, a shiny LP. Yeah, like it, it had. They had a completely. They had a larger canvas to work with, in terms of doing the whole art thing. Right, right. I remember. So, so if you get so if you get Raiders of the Lost Ark or India or Last Crusade uh, on, on on VHS, it's just this like maybe four by six four by six inch rectangle box and. They can fit maybe one decent thumbnail and two smaller thumbnails and a very quick summary, right? Right, but if, right. It, but if you get the laser disc, ah, oh, you open that baby and there's an insert or a or a, or a cardboard flap in there that shows way bigger photographs of the movie and maybe if you're lucky, production stills and like behind the scenes photographs. Right, I ate that and, stuff up because you know yeah. there was no internet. There was no yeah. internet, so those were really like. Besides the 30-minute making of specials that would air on network TV, on broadcast TV, those were my first exposures to how films were made and how yeah. special effects worked, how, how, how these big blockbusters, how these big sweeping epics, how, how they got put together. Just reading the inserts on the packaging. Yeah, like, and, and I loved also on the backside of the, of the Laserdisc, you would have a complete track listing of the events. Dude, of the, of the that movie. was huge. That was huge because on VHS and Betamax tapes, you couldn't tell where you were on the film if the tape was inside the player. Mm-hmm. And, you know, unless you had, to, you had to load it up, you had to play it, and you'd, you'd have to navigate visually. You couldn't just mm-hmm. tell it, take me to scene 13. You couldn't. Mm-hmm. You couldn't select it. Take me to the big action scene, uh, yeah. but not. But laserdisc, you could choose your tracks, just like choosing a track on a CD, and it was just mind blowing for the time, I guess. And also, mm-hmm. what was cool about those thing was there was no physical tape involved, so there was no wear and tear. The, you could watch it over and over again; it wouldn't get fuzzy. <laughs> yeah, because like, and like <laughs> I, you know, I want to I want to touch on your excitement about making of specials there. That's another making of content there. That's an interesting thread to follow. But I also want to close off of that 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 whole uh, track listing. 
right. think track, uh, Laserdisc track listings uh, in my youth were crucial to my understanding and appreciation of film in the sense that when I like think about uh, going back to Indiana Jones' Last Crusade, when I think of Last Crusade, like key story beats in the movie are framed to me by the track listing of the Laserdisc. So when it says like uh, War on the Jones Boys, like to me, when Walter Donovan shows up or whatever in that scene, like that, that I understand that scene uh, uh, us being about declaring that you know the Henry and and, and and Indiana are persona non grata in Germany. You know what I mean? I, like I think I get what you're saying because like yeah, like the track listings like sort of point to what is important about each individual moment. It's not just that. It's like the track listings on the laser discs were kind of like the track track listings on a soundtrack album. An instrumental, oh, yeah. right? An instrumental soundtrack album, not the one, not the compilation by different artists. I'm talking about the instrumental soundtrack. Which songs, which songs inspired, inspired by. by. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, what I liked about those track listings was that they would essentially, you're right, they would act as signposts for whatever the hell you were watching. There are signposts. That's right. That's right. And I think that also helped my narrative sense in a way. I mean, fine, I was reading a lot of stuff at the same time, but it was different having these signposts inform what you were taking in visually. Yeah. And my love affair with, with finally seeing movies, because I'm not, I'm not kidding. I did not go into a movie theater for, I think, like maybe, well, mo- most of the countries that we went to, you know, they didn't even have movies that showed, they didn't have theaters that showed English movies. So, these films, seeing them on Laserdisc, compared to, on which was crystal clear compared to um, secondhand VHS tapes or or, or, or third hand if they were or third hand, tape. <laughs> right? Exactly. Seeing them in Laserdisc was like a revelation, and mm. that was just standard def. When Mm-mm. I saw them in on DVD, like in the late '90s, suddenly it was like seeing movies that I knew by heart. I was like seeing them for the first time because I was seeing detail and hearing things that I'd never seen before, especially since, and this is something we forgot, the majority of VHS tapes and laser discs, unless it was some kind of expensive special edition, they didn't include the films in widescreen because most TVs were four by three at the time. Oh God, here we go. Aspect ratio. Let's go. <laughs> no, but you know, yeah. <laughs> the, the thing, I mean, okay. Films are shot in an hey, I'm in, with you on wide- I'm, I'm with you on this one. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> okay, okay, fine. Movies are shot in widescreen, right? Mm-hmm. That's why when you go into the theater, it fills up your entire field of vision. Yeah. But there, are, at, there are 16 at, by they're, they're anywhere between 2.39 uh by 1.99, I think, or 1.19. And 2.35. Yeah, or 16 by 9. And even then, 16 by, by 9 is kind of more like a traditional widescreen. Anyway, right. I'm a bigger nerd about these things than… It's okay. I, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> most, but at the time, most TVs, those old big boxy things that we used to call TVs, were kind of squarish. Their screens were squarish, right? So by the time that a movie that was shot for the widescreen in the theater came to TV or the home video, that usually meant, depending on what ratio they used to shoot it in, what format of film they used, they would have to chop off as much as like a third or even sometimes two-thirds of the viewable screen just to make it fit on your TV. Now, if you got, let's say, if in the theater you remember like Han Solo talking to Luke Skywalker on the other side of the frame 
chances are by the time it got to TV, you'd only see one of them. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like 80s and 90s kids know that when, you know, they, they know the, the, those, those portentous words, which are, this material has been adapted from its original presentation. Has been modified. Has <laughs> yes. been modified. Uh, it has been adapted to fit your screen. Yeah. And just again, um, just so everybody, just to get everybody on the same page, the reason that DVDs were exciting to me wasn't just the fact that they were clearer, they looked better, they sounded better than anything that we'd ever seen before. It was the fact that they were, and this is a term that I learned from America, they were priced to own. Are you familiar with that? They were priced to own, which means they wanted you to buy it, take it home, build your own library. Because before that, um, the big studios would release VHS tapes or Laserdiscs, and they would cost anywhere from $50 to $120. Yeah. And, and the, whole, the whole, if I understand correctly, like the history behind, the thinking behind that was that uh, they wanted to make sure that home, like movies were prohibitive to own on home video to ensure that the value of broadcast rights, cable rights, pay-per-view rights were still high as well as, you know, you know preserve the scarcity of the film as well mm-hmm. as make sure that they could, on a lesser extent, make sure that they could re-release the material on limited screenings or limited releases after the fact. Absolutely. And nobody did that better than Walt Disney. Seriously. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Walt yeah, Disney, Disney Studio. Disney. They were shameless Disney- about it. They, they would put out. Bought. They would put out the. They'd put out. Let's say a VHS of Snow White, and they, they'll tell you you only got a month to buy this because it's going back in the vault, and you're never going to see it again until yeah. you know until we decide to bring it out again. So people would pay like you know seventy five, eighty dollars, a hundred dollars for a tape of Snow White because they would. They honestly thought they would never see it again. But another reason that they were also they were so expensive was they figured that the average person, at least in the eighties, wouldn't be able to afford their own setup. So they would have to rely on, it wouldn't be able to afford their own library. So they would have to rely on the video store, the rental stores. So imagine if you're a studio, you're going to sell a movie to one video store and then it rents out that movie to 100 people. You're not going to get paid 100 times. So you may as well charge them through the nose to get it. Three-point landing. Mm. Remember when people tried to like try to rent out DVDs? <laughs> they did. They did for a little while until it became, you know, more economically feasible for us third worlders, you know. Um Remember that remember there's a small company that got into business of mailing DVDs called Netflix? <laughs> I wonder whatever happened to them. They yeah, probably right. went out of business like Redbox and Blockbuster. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty stupid fucking business model. I don't know how they're supposed to grow from that. Oh, man. For anyone who doesn't know, Netflix started <laughs> Netflix started as this… Uh, oh, my God. I, I, just talking about… Just, oh, my God. I think I'm going to die. <laughs> no, okay, okay, okay. Netflix Hysterical. started with these physical… Machines like Coke machines, right? Mm-hmm. You'd see them outside Walmart or wherever, and they wait, would. Wait, have, I don't know about this. No, listen. They had physical DVDs inside. They had physical DVDs inside the machines, so like you could check out whatever the hell you wanted. And then when you were no, wait, no, I got it wrong. That was Redbox. Netflix is the one that mailed you the physical DVDs, and you could mail it back to them. By depositing it in one of their machines. There we go. Did like I get a, that like, right? 
like a video library. Yeah, that's what that's what I know about Netflix. I know right, about right, the- right, right. They would mail it to you. I'd never heard of the red box thing. Oh man, jeez, it it existed. It existed. That was a thing. But the, the fact of the matter is, it just shows you how different things were back in the day when people were reliant on something physical to get their fix. You know what I mean? It's not like you can go on the internet now and find pretty much anything. And I think one thing we're missing out from also from uh, the consumption of physical media is some of the stuff that is still into it. Like we talked about making of stuff, right? And I think what was funny about the VHS and Laserdisc stuff was they would put all this content in here in, in, the, in, the, in the stuff and they'd have extra stuff left over. And he'd be like, what can we do with this? You know what I mean? Like, for example, a, a VHS could hold anywhere between two to eight hours of running time. Right. Now, <clears throat> now right. ideally, you set the four hours so that you have a nice trade-off between quality and uh, film storage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then what happens is, after the two and a half movie is, hour movie is done, you know, including the FBI warning to not copy the tape. <laughs> um, oh, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I just remembered something. Okay, this is something I actually researched for… Um, you know, for research purposes, that two hundred and fifty thousand dollar fine at the beginning, the the FBI fine for pirating a movie, yeah, two hundred fifty thousand dollars doesn't refer to um, basically it refers to every single title that they catch you having pirated. Yes, yes, absolutely. Meaning <laughs> you could be if you copied if you copied eight movies. You could be liable for uh, $2 million worth of fines. I'm so glad I'm not admitting to any crimes on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Awkward laugh. uh, Well, they would have to extradite you, right? (laughs) I choose not to answer that on the advice of my attorney on the grounds that it may implicate me in a court of law. I'm just saying that I'm, I, I just, I just saying that I want to set up a little scenario where I start talking about People being charged with home video crimes, and then the American government commits rendition on them. No, but you know they actually have made examples of people, like not not for duplicating video, but for like downloading MP3s. Yeah, they've 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 thrown million dollar lawsuits out there on the behest of angry record labels. Mm-mm. But as for movie studios, I mean, the, for movie studios, the most that they've ever done, I guess, is just, you know, raid um, those warehouses or those um, marketplaces where you could buy um, pirated VCDs and DVDs back in the day. Yeah, you mean back when the, the board was being headed up by Uh-oh. or something? Yeah, yeah. They would make a big show of, you know, raiding, let's say, Kiapo. And um, and getting and 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 you know overturning stalls full of uh, pirate yeah, but he, discs. And yeah, then, but even like, then, the people who were who, whose stalls got turned over or the pirates who got busted, they knew they knew ahead of time that the, that the cops were showing. Of course, that's why all the stuff that the cops would confiscate for their photo op would be you know old stock, and the pirates mm-hmm. would be back in business two hours later with the new yeah, stuff. Sometimes an hour later. <laughs> <laughs> you really timed it, huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know nothing about such things. Yep, yep. No, but, you know, uh, I wanted to get back to what I was talking about. Uh, Sorry, go for special it. Special feature stuff. Like, So you have a four-hour beta, beta max for VHS tape, VHS tape. Yeah, yeah. And you put a two-and-a-half-hour <clears> movie <throat> in it, complete with federal warning. And right. then the people who, who produce home video would be like, well, what are we going to do with this remaining 
runtime on a tape. And that's when he would put like the special features. But I still remember watching Dark Crystal and there'd be like a whole <clears throat> tribute to Jim Henson uh, right. at, at the end of the video. Or mm-hmm. um, he would, they would put like making of stuff for, or, okay. you know, what, what Disney would do is they would put like the whole reel of, you know, other Disney movies that you could order or purchase. Yeah, they the were put- Disney membership club, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Like, so what I'm trying to get at here is that physical media is a container that tends to have stuff put into it because of the compulsion to not waste that space, to not waste that limitation. It's the same with Laserdisc, the same with all that stuff. And I think DVDs and uh, and Blu-rays are the last like. Uh, Vanguard for that? Yeah, the last the Vanguard. Last gasp, not even a Vanguard. It's the last gasp. <laughs> yeah, like, and that's, but, what, and that's what I miss about Netflix. That's what I miss when I'm watching Netflix. I'm watching Netflix. I'm enjoying a movie I like, and I'm just like, you know, I, I flip around and I'm like, you know what would be great if I could have a director's commentary for this? And it's like, right. nope, you know, you're not getting any of that. You're not getting any behind the scenes. Okay. And, yeah. Okay. Um, as far as the special features go, you're right. When it came to analog tapes, right? Before you went digital with the optical media stuff. On analog tapes, they would just throw in whatever they could to fill up the remaining space or if they had some extra materials. But when it came time to DVD and they had infinitely more space, they thought what they stopped just, I mean, initially they just started doing the same thing. They started putting stuff they had lying around. Like... Um, the 30-minute making-of special that they would air on TV or the stuff that would go in the electronic press kit, you know, a collection of talking heads from Mm -hmm. the filmmakers or from the actors and all that stuff. They would put that on the DVD. But as the market matured after like, uh, within the first year or so, actually, the first year or two on DVDs, they started producing supplementary material, especially especially for the DVDs. So yeah, it became like, like, a like, case of picking up. You could I, sometimes you could buy like a regular edition of a movie, and yeah. then, or you could pick up the special edition, which has you know extra specially produced documentaries, bonus features, <clears throat> animatics, yeah, right. interviews, and I love that stuff. I absolutely mm. love that stuff. And sadly, um, with the decline of physical media, and it's this is this is something that's instantly. Obvious, like if you pick up a Blu-ray, half the time it does not have half as much stuff in it as the DVD version did ten years ago. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, it became it came to a point where, like you were talking about market maturation, it came to a point where it's like people would start producing movies and yep. filming movies with the DVD production like running side by side. Am I Absolutely. Right? Like, like <laughs> you know, they're they're making the movie and there's a DVD like uh, a yes. special crew devoted to the DVD yes. like, following along documenting everything. But with the decline of physical media, there's just no... I mean, I'm sure there's still a demand for that sort of thing. It's just that now, more often, you would just find it on the studio's YouTube channel. You're not going to find it on the disc anymore. I think that market market has been split down the middle by the people who are actually genuinely interested in that stuff and will actually seek it out and the people who are genuinely interested in that stuff and are too lazy to seek it out because (laughs) it is simply more convenient to surrender to the ocean of video on demand and streaming services. Like, you know, like for me, you know, that, that, that's definitely the case for me, you know? No argument. But yeah. um, let me just say as a collector during the DVD years, something that frustrated me no end was, you remember when we used to have video stores here? I mean, not the rental shops, the retail shops like Video City or uh, Astro Vision. Yeah. 
you know, relics of a bygone era. They would sell DVDs, okay? Later on, they would start selling Blu-rays. But when they were selling the DVDs, something you'd notice, like if a DVD had all this extra material on the American edition, it inevitably, a lot of the time, it wouldn't have it, when it by the time it came here. Either because, I don't know, maybe the local manufacturers didn't want to have to pay for the, for the larger capacity discs, or maybe they just figured that a Filipino audience wouldn't give a crap about special features. And that not, frustrated not, me no end. Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, I want to get to that because I totally agree with you on this one. Like, uh, I think also it's not just the video capacity, but also the, the idea of… Because some, some of these special editions, they become two-disc. And they'd be like, oh, no, we're not going to do a two-disc edition. So, yeah, because you, know, you have right? to pay but, for more packaging. You have to pay for more material. Yeah, yeah. Like, so, so, and I think, I think, uh, like, was one of the biggest offenders in this regard. Like, I don't remember <clears throat> the exact titles or the exact uh, film companies they had relationships with. Right, right. But I just, I remember, like, I would have to check, all right, is the distributor for this? Because that means, like… Whatever you know, DVD features that are supposed to be here aren't yeah. in here. And what sucks is that I think sometimes um, you know maybe I'm maybe I'm misremembering, maybe I'm gaslighting myself here. But I remember looking at these things and like opening the cases, and they would these there would be descriptions of the features. But when I looked it up on the internet, they'd say no. Actually, if you buy that, the the listed features is a is a bunch of lies, and you know it's just copied from the American packaging. But right. they never bothered to put it in the actual like Philippine or, disc. Yeah, or sometimes I would read about some amazing features online, and then when you see the local the local release, you're like, "Where's all that cool stuff that they talked about?" Yeah, it's and it's, just, it's, it's generated not, it's such just, distrust in me. It's generated such distrust in me from the local distributors that I'm like, you know what? I'm only buying the U.S. region stuff, you know, uh, and that's not cool or whatever. But that, like when it comes to uh, one of the few movies I make sure that I always got would be the Star Wars movies in Blu-ray. Right. And like, you know, I didn't want to get Star Wars The Force Awakens or Star Wars The Last Jedi uh, and, you know, get a, you know, and, and not get shafted in the future. So I made sure that, you know, someone got it from me somewhere else. Right. And <laughs> and I don't, I've never actually verified if it's true. Like, I've never verified if our local version has the feature. That, but you know what? I'm not going to bother. I'm not even going to check. Okay, like, here's the thing. My time. Here's the thing. As far as the DVDs were concerned, no, they didn't. Because all the special features of the Star Wars movies, when they hit DVD, were on a fourth disc. So, mm-hmm. yeah, they didn't make it here. Unless they were selling some of the American box sets, which I would see sporadically in Green Hills. But the thing about… I don't know if it comes down to market maturity or economic capability. Because… I think something I mentioned earlier, but I got cut off or I cut myself off. People would turn to piracy. And naturally, those pirated copies wouldn't always have, wouldn't necessarily have the special stuff. And people were okay with that. And that was taking a big chunk of the home video market here because they would buy the pirated discs for what, a dollar, two dollars a piece, not even. So why would you spend, you know, upwards of 20, 30 bucks for the same thing? Mm mm. Especially if you're not somebody who cares about the special features in the first place. But Mm -hmm. for somebody who is a collector, it was incredibly frustrating. And that bias that local video outlets had or local video manufacturers had towards their audience, that contempt, slight I would say contempt, that got even worse when Blu-rays came out. Because when Blu-rays came out, they wouldn't even put them on the shelves. 
you couldn't browse through them. They put them behind glass. So not only did you have Blu-rays that didn't have everything that their foreign counterparts had, they were behind the counter or behind glass, which completely discouraged you from browsing them in the first place. So I'm not surprised that video, home video died here quicker than a lot of other places, honestly. Yeah. You know, it, it speaks to, uh, and you know, allow me just to sort of like have a digression here. This speaks to a thing that, uh, that uh, some technologists talk about with regards to third world economies. It's called leapfrogging, which is that. Yes. Uh, so you no, know what I, I'm talking about here. Leapfrogging, yeah, which, is, which is that older, o- older economies and more mature countries have a harder time, or at least they, they, they kind of move in this slower progress with regards to switching over from one technology or to one cultural trend to another because there's a lot more respect and infrastructure built into it. Right. And, you know, so for example, America had a hard time transitioning to cellular phone service because you know, uh, land-based telephony was such a big deal uh, in the foundation of that country. But for us Asians, especially in the Philippines, we switched to cell phones just like that because he's kind of garbage. <laughs> Wait, let's not forget. It's not wasn't just cell phone usage that they had a tough time transitioning to. Because even when they got their cell phones, you know what they weren't doing? They what? weren't texting. Yeah, they were texting. I remember. Yeah, but that's that's a use that's a use condition rather than a, you know something else altogether. But yeah, I don't think absolutely. so. I think it's economically linked because if you look at their phone plans, they're more conducive to having conversations than actually mm-hmm. texting. Because like ah. here. Our phone plans were based around ideas like 200, 300 free messages. Yeah, yeah. Whereas over yeah. there, they would buy plans based on minutes. Yeah, but anyway, you know, what I'm, what I'm trying to get here is that by uh, having absolutely no uh, interest in really buying into the merits of home video, or at least Blu-ray and DVD, um, they only incentivized like the Filipino basically just switching to you know piracy and digital media and, and literally yep, any other absolutely. form of technology. They we leapfrog directly from from VHS and Betamax, right. which was our only options. And then blue and DVD and Blu-ray came of age during internet. And it's like, you know what? We're just going straight to internet. We're just leapfrogging all the way there. I, I agree with you. But you know what's interesting about the whole Netflix thing that's happening now that we're seeing with all these streaming platforms is that Filipinos are actually willing to pay if they're presented with something that is institutionally sound, something that delivers what it says on the tin, something that does what it's supposed to. So when Netflix came out, fine, they had to reduce the price to accommodate our third world um, salaries. But the thing is, people were willing to pay to legitimately view movies in a format that was comfortable to them versus all the extra legal ways that they've been using pri- previously because mm-hmm. now you know you you're right they've they've fucking leapfrogged um all the way yeah. to this because this was something that actually fit uh one is consumption patterns second is viewing habits the third one is spending capacity honestly yeah the popular sentiment is that oh you know filipinos are are, are cheap or you know they're 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 inherently like willing to take advantage and like steal or whatever. But the truth is, is that all it took was for Netflix to like reach a price point and an inter, uh, and, a, and a level of like serviceability between like the kind of internet we have yeah. to to hit that sweet spot. And suddenly we're all like, yeah, I'm paying for legal stuff. 
<laughs> no, <laughs> I think I, you're you're not yeah. exaggerating because like yeah. when DVDs were out here when they were brand new, they would cost over a thousand pesos. I, I remember when they would go on sale, they'd be like seven fifty or two ninety nine on a good day. But yeah. you know, the fact is, they were still starting out at over a thousand pesos. How much is the average minimum wage, right? Yeah. So I mean, come on. Yeah, no, I, I have to. I have to admit, I'm thankful that I'm thankful that DVDs were too expensive for for what they were worth. Because, you know, because local I ones, to, local yeah, DVDs. Yeah, because I managed to skip on. I managed to skip on some ill-advised purchases. <laughs> well, it got it got worse when Blu-ray. Yeah, you know what I mean. Out. Like, like, like Blu-ray like, was like close to two thousand pesos, what, and they had even less stuff in them. Yeah, what I'm saying is like 22 year old Matthew Arsolio would have totally bought that Daredevil DVD. <laughs> 30, 39 year old Matthew is just like yeah no I'm not I, I don't need that <laughs> well for me I found ways I found ways I, I kept track of which branches were having sales I, I, I kept track of what every store what, what their inventories were at some point it, it was ridiculous so I was yeah. able to build up a somewhat sizable collection but I had to be very again judicious in making sure that the version that they were offering was something that I actually wanted. Otherwise, I'd have to find another way to get it. What, mm-hmm. Like whenever somebody would take a trip, let's say to Singapore or the States, I'd be like, hey, could you get me this? If you don't mind, if you find a video store, you know. And yeah. that, that's how I was able to build up my library. But another thing that I, I don't think we mentioned earlier, we were talking about the maturity of this market in addition to, I mean, aside from the spending capacity, right? With regards mm-hmm. to the maturity of the Philippine movie-consuming public, I don't think that the powers that be respect them enough. I mean, I saw, mm-hmm. I think we saw that with regards to the, the, the treatment of, you of, know, DVD, yeah. of DVDs. But that doesn't just apply to, that, that's for foreign movies, you know? It's even worse for local movies. Oh God, yes, yes, yes. Because something Absolutely. like, for example, they're going to, this is something, and I'm not even kidding. I got into arguments with people online about this and I even, I, I tagged um, the studio, uh, the, the studio um, in charge. I even talked to a couple of people. Um, something like Himala, okay? Which is by and large, one of our greatest films. It was digitally remastered. Good stuff, right? You would right. think, you would think that putting it out in the best possible quality would be a priority. It's not. They put it out on DVD, and I'm not even kidding, in a cardboard folder. This is one yeah. of the Sorry, that silence ever. That silence is me shaking my head in like, you know, complete right? disbelief. <laughs> I mean. What's the point of remastering something digitally if you're not going to show it to me in the best way possible? Because it looked amazing on the big screen. You know, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to seize upon this this point of discussion and talk about how I think this is uh, this is this is central to uh, one of the massive failings of uh, Philippine entertainment culture. And allow me to go to a bit of rant here, which is that. I think there are so many times in my in in my lifetime where uh, an interesting thing was made, an interesting movie or an interesting television production was made, mm. and we're all and we're all like, oh wow, wow, we're so impressed with it, and you know, right. like, <clears throat> and I, I'm not going to name any names here, but like, but the longevity that that cultural moment could pot- potentially be a watershed moment, but because film production companies and home video production companies 
aren't interested in in making those works available in a convenient format, in a format that is uh, like a privileged experience. Like, for example, when you buy like like a DVD, you know, and you make it a good quality uh, product, it becomes almost an experience to purchase it. It becomes almost Absolutely. a cultural moment to to acquire it. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like so many uh, great movies that have happened over the past 20 years, at least, are not being re-experienced over and over and over again. Because I think that's how film lore is built. That's how film culture is built. Not just that the movie comes out and everyone's like, oh, wow, that's great. But the way that these films become a fixture in our lives and a fixture in our habits. Like that's think that's about very valid. Yeah. Yeah. Think about think about whether you whether you treasure your your laser disc copy of Akira Kurosawa films or you have a precious videotape of that one time you recorded, you know, uh, a, a Richard Pryor comedy, or you know, you have a, uh, a, a an original VHS copy of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. These works achieve meaning and influence by uh, the opportunity to re-experience them over and over and over again. And how are we going to build a film culture out of the Philippines if um, so many crucial works uh, can never be re-experienced? Like, uh, I'm not going to say that that I, I, I like all of those films, but yeah. I also kind of, like, I'm still, like, not 100% a fan of some of the films that have come out in the past 20 years that people That's consider, true. like, the best. But... Right. Where is the opportunity to re-experience these films if they're going to be in shitty formats, if they're only going to come out in cinema one once in a while, if they're only going to be on limited screenings for Cinemalaya or whatever, if they're right. only going to be like, uh, if occasionally they might have the privilege of being, you know, shoveled onto Netflix. And even then, like Netflix has a habit of picking up the most middle brow garbage. But yeah, it's not, you know, that's, neither here, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> you know, like, that's why, that's why you and I can talk in American film language because American popular culture, you know, allows itself to be re-experienced at re-experienced ad infinitum ad nauseum. And Filipino film culture doesn't. It that's absolutely true. For years and years, the only way you could see Himila was from a festival copy that had like three sets of subtitles running across it. It was chopped up visually, so it wasn't even in widescreen. There it was Mm -hmm. scratchy as all hell. And it sounded like sounded like it was recorded in a tin can, Mm-mm. but for years and years, that's all we had. Not only not not necessarily because they didn't want to show us anything better. It's just that that they didn't care enough about their own history to preserve it. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I'm not, I'm not even talking about historical significance or or like you know trying to create some kind of library of Congress film archive, whatever bullshit. Although those are in fact noble causes. I'm just yeah. saying it's like you know you made a movie. Would you like not? Would you not want me to re-experience this for a small amount of money? Would you not Absolutely. want this? To, and you know, a lot of film, a lot of film production is also about glamour and prestige and and egos. Like some people, one of the reasons why movies get continue to get made in all cultures around the world, regardless of the costs or the unprofitability, is because there's always going to be some rich person out there who's like, you know what? I would like to have my name attached to the top of a of a movie because movies are such. You know, important cultural artifacts like when these like those things, you know, exist is because of them. And if we don't get to re-experience them, like they're just going to be lost. It's not just about re-experiencing, in my in my opinion. It's also about re-evaluating. Yeah, yeah, right. And I mean, those are 
you know, I'm not dismissing your point there, but I, you know, what you're speaking to is a lofty higher goal that is all fair worthy. enough. Fair yeah, enough. and I and I feel like and I, and I want you to keep going on this. I'm just saying is that. We can't even meet the fucking bare minimum. That's what I'm saying. I, I agree with you completely. I agree with you completely. There is no reason on earth that I should be able to get, you know, direct-to-video shitty sequels to stupid comedies. But, mm. you know, I can't get some of the greatest works of Philippine cinema. Now, I'm not saying that every release has to be of historical significance. You're right. Mm-mm. But I'd like to have that choice. Yeah, yeah. And you like, know? you know, like… Let's it's say easier, I'm, a, I'm a fan of like, you know, um, rom-coms, local rom-coms of local love teams. And I want to collect them. But the best I can get is some some <clears throat> hastily produced hack job home video release. Or, yeah. you know, that if that's all I can get, then ugh. Yeah, like, you know, honestly, like, you know, in the fact that it's easier for you to get a copy of Cruel Intentions 3. <laughs> is know? that the one with Amy Adams? I don't fucking know. I just know they make fucking they made a fucking <laughs> cruel intention sequel that doesn't feature Sarah Michelle Gellar and some of their I was never what, even what a fan. Fuck? I was never a fan of directed video. I got burned by Return of Jafar <laughs> and I never looked back. <laughs> I was more of a fan of the uh the, the Prince of the the Prince of the the one with, with Aladdin. The King cat. of Thebes, yeah. That one was good. That was good. That was like the yeah. luck, the only good one. Yeah. But, but anyway by and large, yeah, directed video sequels are garbage. Yeah, but yeah, like, so, you know, this is where we're at. Like, physical media, it, it, it does feel like a relic sometimes, but it's also crucial to preserving and, be you know, being able to, like, keep a piece of culture with us, whether us collectors or us nerds or even us, like, you know, self, self-styled historians, you know? No kidding, because, like, if a film, if you're going to look at a movie as an artifact of its time and place of release, that artifact i mean as it stands with through home video it becomes an artifact that everyone can have a piece of that they could call their own and yeah. it's just heartbreaking now that with streaming culture which is awesome because you can see whatever you want whenever you want um, as yeah. long as as long as the studio says it's okay yeah as i long mean the contract has expired the, a lot of it's being lost that 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 feeling of tangibility of connection to something because everything now is just so disposable to yeah. the point that you have nothing to show for what you just consumed Mm-mm. does that make sense no yeah, it makes sense it's not it's not just a it's not a trophy system it's just like it just it's just it's about it's about giving permanence to something yes yeah. because it, at some point in time it was important enough to you to want to retain it. Wow, did we, you know, this, this, you know, who knew, who knew that when we started the, 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 the evening, you know, that we'd just be like spitballing about, you know, home video for shits and giggles. I now we've gone know. to, we've gone to a, a heady, heady place about the place that home video has in the preservation and, you know, permanence of popular culture. Yeah. Not for anything. And, I mean, sorry, I swear, I'm just going to, this is the last time I'm going to interrupt. Uh, no, go, go ahead. Go it's ahead. like I'm sure that you or your parents or whatever they have like treasured photographs from their ch- from childhood, something that you know by heart because you know it's something that's burned into your mind. Compare that to the three or four thousand <laughs> pictures on your phone that you're never going to look at again. <laughs> you know, there's just some sense of permanence about something you can hold, something you can touch, and that's something I miss as much as I love. 
the convenience of streaming. But you know, streaming, we're we're at the mercy of studios more than ever. So yeah, don't get me and don't get me started about freaking video games. That's that's another episode. Hand to God, I thought you were going to give me grief for still buying physical video games. No, 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 no. no. But anyway, I think that has been an episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was good. That was cool. Mm. I know it's been an episode because the whiskey's kicked in. I, I miss alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> so that's been another quarantine session. Stay tuned next week when we talk about fantastic places and beasts to find them in. Wait, what? What? I, I thought you were talking about fantastic. I just heard fantastic. I'm like, fantastic for Let's go. <laughs> Let's try that again. That's been another three-point landing. This is Misha. This is Matthew. Come back next week when we talk about the best ways to bungee off the Eiffel Tower. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See you then. This episode of Three Point Landing was produced, recorded, and distributed under quarantine by Big Baby Studios. Follow us on Facebook at Three Point Landing PH.